Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And as I always say, it is such a great blessing to be able to come before my congregation, who are part of this church here in Dallas, and as well to all of our Saints Network family, wherever you may be in this nation or so many other nations around the world. God bless all of you today. We have been brought together by the Spirit of God. That's the only way that I can really describe how God has raised up his saints and continues to do so. We aren't mobilized because we have a high-powered promotion system. We aren't mobilized because we have had a strategic uh, outreach on uh, television or in the various uh, social media forums. We aren't mobilized because we have a, a tremendous whatever that galvanizes people and draws them. You all know this. What God has done in uniting us together, as well as all of the other folks that we have come to know and love around the world, has been by a miraculous, God-driven connection. And it really is true, and I'm not sure that any of us truly appreciate the miracle that this is. You know, I've been around for a while. I pastored here for now. We came here in 1980, so it's been 40, almost 42 years now. And during that time, I've seen kingdoms rise and fall. I've seen major Christian groups, all the rage, just blossom and bumper stickers on cars and people identifying with it, and they they go there, and then it's gone. And I'm not discounting the efficacy that any of these groups, Christian groups, have accomplished. I'm not. But what I'm saying is that this network this network of ours that God has given has been built solely by his hand and it's growing. It is, it's growing in a way that doesn't appear like it's growing. I mean, you, you don't go by some headquarters building and see, you know, thousands upon thousands of people there. You know, anybody in the natural who loves churchiology, would look and say, well, you know, it's okay. I mean, they're good people, but there's really nothing to really stand and applaud. But God, God is raising up thousands of people. He's already done this around the world all with the same calling, all with the same devotion, 
has that, that every saint has, and that is to have the desire to do what God's will is, to study the word, to be on our face before God in prayer, to pray in diversities of tongues, to interpret what God is saying, and to teach others to do this. And along the way, God gives us incredible insights from his word. And he's done this over and over again. This movement of the saints is really, it could easily be called the movement of the living word because God just continues to show us things that are commensurate with what he's called us to do, what we've been faithful to do, where we are right now and where we're going. And that is the basis by which he enlightens us in his word. It's not done through scholastic pursuit. We need to be students of the word. We need to continue to study to show ourselves approved, a workman needing not to be ashamed. But that is not the source of discovery. That is being ready, just like an athlete. You don't get any awards for working out or being in training. You do that so that you can function on the field of, con of, of competition. And there, you don't know what you're going to experience. You just want to be ready. And so we partner with the Lord in the field of, of conquest as he directs. But as we study, we're just preparing ourselves. But the revelation comes as we, as we go, as we stand, as we do. And then we apply the skills of biblical study and comparing spiritual things with spiritual understandings that God has given of his word. We insert them, and, and it's a living, breathing partnership. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time, almost 60 years now. Since that time, I can still remember as a little boy walking down the aisle with my mother and kneeling at an altar and asking Jesus to forgive my five-year-old sins and to um, come into my heart. I remember that day, and I know God remembers it. So I've seen a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things. But I want you to know that what I'm talking about is not normal Christianity as, as what it should be the norm, like Watchman Nee wrote the normal Christian, but it's not what the normal Christian churches do. And I'm not faulting them. I'm just pointing out the distinction of what God is doing among his saints and what God has called you to be and me to be and that eternal bond that connects us. This is a great privilege. And uh, so, you know, in I, I'm just going to reference this, and then we're going to get into the topic of the day. The enemy has tried so many ways to infiltrate the church and to discredit the work of God. 
He's tried scandal. He's tried unimaginable deception through people. He has um, he has brought deception in 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 ways regarding um, false uh, interpretation of scripture. Um, today, there are so many strategies the enemy is using to try to destroy what the people of God really are to be. You have uh, gross darkness upon the uh, the people and darkness upon the earth. And, you know, for instance, one of the things, not only has the Word of God been attacked, I mean from within, the, the efficacy of the Scripture has been attacked and continues to be, not just from the progressive church. Um, and... Um, but you also have, in a scholastic way, and I've talked about this and referenced this, but there are a lot of there are a lot of people who are highly trained, highly trained, in biblical exegesis, who have lots of degrees to their name, and many who have pastored and taught at Christian universities, that are now being led into things that are somewhat of a hybrid of ancient uh, ancient viewpoints that God told Abram and Moses to come out from, uh, what Paul warned about and when he wrote and said that there are there are wrongful genealogies and there are things that are written that that are doctrines of devils. Um, it, it's it's incredible some of the things that are being put forth about who man man and men and women really really are who the creator was um, what um, what we can and cannot believe in the scripture and they write so convincingly from a from an exegetical viewpoint but it's like any math equation they can have it can be very impressive up on their chalkboard all of the steps and the substeps but their deductions within those um, formula are wrong some of them you take you talk about taking a leap of faith some of them take leaps of deception and then they attest that this is really a hidden truth and it clarifies all the things of the scripture. It's out there. And so we as saints, uh, we have a wonderful mission. But we have to stay true to what the scripture says we should be doing. And trust what God has given to us based on the scripture and not allow any of these things, no matter how much they're lauded, no matter how many people are saying they are true, uh, we have to stay firm in the way that God leads us and has led us. And so I'm very grateful for your fidelity to the Lord and the way that you have stood in the face of phenomenal oppositions and you know we're being we're being um, prepared 
as we serve God now in crucial ways, we're also being prepared for what is coming. I, I look as an, as an American and as somebody who tries to keep, um, stay aware of geopolitical structures around the world and in historical meaning around the world, I am stunned by things that I see happening in our country. And I know there have been lots of crazy things that have happened in our past, but I've never seen comparatively the things that we see right now that are trying to deconstruct things that we as Americans hold dear and recreate them in a way that is not what God caused us to be. The time of the end is upon us, and we have to hold fast to what God has given us and continue to serve. So this walk that we have as saints, as I have said, is a living reality. It's not simply oh yes, I believe, and if I have any problems, I ask God, and he gives me my petitions, and I'm just kind of waiting for the rapture, and it's good to serve the Lord. I have an eternal home. I'll witness, I'll testify to people that God brings to my path, but I just want to get out of here and go to be the Lord. You know, it's like the old preacher said, everybody wants to go to heaven. They just, they just don't want to go right now. But that's kind of what the church's stance is. And um, I don't share that stance. I don't think that's really what God put us here for. I'm thankful to be born again. That is the only thing that really matters in in our life. It's the It's the change point that humans must take. It's the only way to God through the precious gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that then, we give power to become sons, to continue to develop and become sons. And that then is the pathway of growing, serving and growing, and becoming, and doing what God would ask of us, to be before his throne as an intercessor now, and to recognize that we've been empowered and appointed by God to accomplish something on this earth and to do it with all of our might until that time that God says, okay, you're, I've appointed this is the end of your time here on earth. I want to fulfill everything that God wanted me to fulfill and anything else that might be a here a little, there a little that I can help with. And I know that's your viewpoint as well for your life so it's a living reality and um, I I believe that God has been using the saints over these past decades and we have through the grace of God been to a large degree successful only God can judge that. But at least we've not abandoned ship. We've fallen at times, but we've stood and we've got back up and we've moved in the Lord.
And that's, that's all that we can really do because it's, it's, it's more about the journey with God and being faithful as much as you can to that underlying um, ideal of fulfilling what God has created you to, to do for him and in him and through him. And so, during this time, um, over these past years, we have known many points of breakthrough, many points of advance, many times where we've had to just stand and wait, uh, other times where we've not realized exactly what God was doing, but yet we continued to trust and God showed himself strong. But about two years ago, God began to say to us, there is a great transition coming. There are things, or two and a half years ago, really, maybe close to three, um, I'm going to change the saints. I'm going to transform you um, for my kingdom. But there's a transition coming. And whatever it is, is going to be built on the foundation of what you've already learned in me and what you've done. And then this past year hit uh, with all of its challenges, and now we are in a year where God has just been pressing us into the understanding, the concept of being changed, being transformed. There has, there has been a... Uh, step into the new horizon. And with that, there have been promotion and there have been equipping that's different than what we've known. And this is the way God always moves in Scripture. It's a principle. You and we're going to be in Zechariah 3 today. We don't have a teaching sheet because we're just going to go through the scripture here. God says, if you're faithful in small things, I make you ruler over many. Uh, God says that if we show ourselves faithful, he will use us in new ways. If we uh, take full advantage of the talent he's given, then he visits and he gives you authority over other things. Um, despise not the day of small beginnings. Stay faithful. Keep moving in, in, um, in true form concerning what God wants. If, if you overcome, I give you a crown. Jesus said to the seven churches, to him that overcomes, I will give. And he lists things that he gives to each of them individually. It's, it's not just, well, you know, when I get home to heaven, I'm going to have treasures that are... Yes, we invest in the heavenly thesaurus, of course. But to, to lay this process out uh, as simply uh, when you finally cash in this life on earth, that you've got all this stuff that, you've, that, that God has laid up for you, uh, mansion over the hilltop, streets of gold. That's, that's short-sighted, and it's really infantile. We 
gain these measures of responsibility on earth. We serve, we pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everything about that prayer is about what we do right now, where we want God to come now, where we want him to do things now, um, according to his will. It's, it, Jesus doesn't say, well, you, you know, what you say is our Father who is in heaven. Look at this mess I'm in. Get me out of here soon. Take it, Jesus. He doesn't say any of that. But that's the mantra of most prayers. Uh, we get ourselves in trouble and we get serious with God. And we ask God to bail us out. And we make battlefield promises and we forget half of them when we're free. That's kind of like a, a kid that's in a family that the parents have to keep bailing them out. Now, many of you have those and they're your precious little ones. But God wants you to be a son and to serve him as a joint heir in Christ now. He doesn't relegate it all to the sweet by and by. So there has been a measure of entry into the new. You know, I've called this message promotion. I grappled over what the term should be because people think of promotion and they they don't really recognize what it means in the scripture. Promotion is something that you get from God based upon his will, his, his assignment for you, your faithfulness to him in that assignment, and then he brings you into a new place of service, but it's based upon your faithfulness in what you've done. For him, and it's 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 not of works. It it it's not works. It's partnership. It's it's not. Well, if I do this and this and this, God's got to do that. It's it's yes, I'm serving you, Father, and I'm going to serve you in this and until such time as you you desire to do something new in me. But it's going to be on the foundation that um, that we've we've been working in. And that's the way God moves with great continuity. But it's it's a journey. It's it's the journey with God. It's developing you as sons. You aren't on this earth just to redeem the earth. You are here to fulfill God's eternal plan to have sons. That's what the enemy detests, and that's what he's trying to stop now. So we've got to be what God made us to be, and the plan is really God's. So if I keep rambling like this, we'll never get into the Word. I said we would be in Zechariah. We touched on this recently, and we want to look at promotion, divine promotion that is spoken of here in this book. Now let's lay a little backdrop for those of you who just got off the plane from Bangladesh and have no conception of what we've been talking about. There are many of you. Maybe you haven't gone to, from Bangladesh, but welcome <laughs> if you've not been keeping up. 
Israel, Judah, had been taken away to Babylon because they were just a, they had become a wicked, demonically based society. They did evil in the sight of God, which is a terrible thing to say. And the last king of, um, well, a king of Judah named Jehoiakim came to the throne at 18 years old. Three months later, Nebuchadnezzar shows up. And the Bible doesn't say very good things about Jehoiakim or his father Jehoiakim or those that had gone before. They are all doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So Jehoiakim, 18 years of old age, he comes out with his family, his princes, his treasures that Solomon had put in the temple. He gives them all to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar takes all of them and him and carts them off to Babylon. Now, there then was another king, a cousin, that began to reign and he did evil too Zedekiah and he reigned for I think it was eight or nine years and he was just evil he was a problem Nebuchadnezzar's armies go back in Zedekiah decides to put up a protest which is not the smart thing to do and he is uh, he's overcome his sons are killed with his in his sight and he's blinded but Jehoiakim is the one we want to look at and he, he's in prison in Babylon, but then he comes into favor with the Persian rulers, and he sits at the king's table. Uh, he has a son named Shealtiel, and he has a son named Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel is in favor in Babylon and he begins to be directed by God to reestablish what Jerusalem should be and he gains favor he begun he becomes appointed as governor of that area of Judea and he goes back and he starts rebuilding things that is very important because this man represents the kingly line. Now, God is going to do what he's going to do. The promises given to David, the promises given to Solomon, um, God doesn't forget about them. And <clears throat> Zerubbabel is not a king, but he's of that kingly line. And God lets him go back. And so we then see that uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, they then come and they begin to rebuild the walls. We know that story. But then we come to Zechariah, who is, as we've said, 16 or so years later after the Nehemiah wave, Zechariah then goes back because he wants to do his part as well so it's it's a very interesting thing this 70 year period but um, when Zechariah gets back we talked about him last week God 
shows him the promotion. He reminds him of how he got there. And he, he, he reminds him in a very heavenly, spiritual way of what's actually going on in the spirit realm. A lot of people discount the book of Zechariah. And they say it's fanciful. It's like a, it's like a, an ancient myth. But these are very real things that, that happened. And we have to recognize that this was a spiritual dynamic that was going on with all of these things I've just mentioned. Yes, you can see them physically playing out. But the spiritual things are the things that matter most. And with them, God can move. So, you see in Zechariah chapter 3, here Zechariah sees Joshua. It's very interesting. Joshua was uh, a, a, the priest that, that worked and labored with Zerubbabel or, or, or was working in conjunction with that. And then you had Nehemiah and Ezra, who was also a priest, and they come rolling in there. You need to have a lot of priests. But um, God is showing Zechariah these ones that started to lay the foundations of the rebuild. And this is so important. This is so important. Did you notice that in Zechariah, in this book, he doesn't mention Nehemiah at all. Look it up. Not that Nehemiah was unimportant. He, he did tremendous work for God, and he wrote a, a, a book in his name in the Old Testament. But God directs Joshua, God directs Zechariah to, look, to remember why they're there. I mean, if, if, if he was being shown Nehemiah, he might have thought, well, this is a public works pro pro project. We're just rebuilding walls and fighting enemies. Let's go out. Yay, yay. But it took some gumption for Zerubbabel to gain that appointment and go back and say, okay, in the timing of God, it is time to take a stand. It took some gumption for Joshua. Can you imagine what the enemy thought of all this and the the opposition you know all of those demons that were being worshipped in Jerusalem that caused them the people to be carted away to Babylon those are those are spirit beings and they all had roots there you know you think that when we first started to follow the lord in in as saints and the intercession and the warfare that all of us had to do you think that was bad, and it was. What do you think Joshua had to fight and Zerubbabel had to fight when they're going back to God's manuka that had been populated by principalities and powers and wickedness, the influences in the heavens that Daniel was praying against and about? Uh, what, what Ezekiel talked about, king of Tyre, prince of Tyre, all of those things. This, this was warfare. And without 
the faithfulness of Zerubbabel and Joshua, Zechariah would not be going back. Nehemiah would not have gone back. So God doesn't show Zechariah in the heavens. He doesn't show Nehemiah. He shows he shows the ones that really initiated the process in obedience to God. Do you see that? And some of you are looking it up. Is that really true? Well, yeah, I wouldn't say it was because I know some of you are quick on the draw. You'd say, well, pastor, I found this. Well, this is what God did. And you, dear saint, many of you heard a calling and you said, I'm coming out from among and I'm going to serve the Father as a son and as an intercessor and as a saint. And I believe there, there are other outposts of saints that we've not met around the world but I do know that we came out from a, a very precious Pentecostal movement. And I'm not aware. We've been around now for a long time. I'm not aware of anybody else coming out of that movement that's been saying any of the things from the Scripture that we've said. Maybe you found them. But I sure haven't seen it. So what I'm saying is, you all who have stood faithfully are more akin to what Zerubbabel and Joshua did than anybody else. We're looking forward to these waves who are going to come and help, but foundational things God respects. And it's like that David and his mighty men, where he had those three tiers of mighty men. The highest tier were men of renown and of great respect. We don't know a whole lot about those guys, but we know a lot about the middle group. You know, we know a lot about those that are mentioned as warriors in David's uh, armies. But that first group is what caused the kingdom to survive and to stand. And, and so that's a very important thing. So here we have Zechariah. And in the third chapter verse 1, it says that God showed Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of Yahweh. And there is Satan standing at the right hand to resist him. Satan, resist, same word. It just means opposition. And that this being opposes. What does he oppose? Well, he opposes God. He opposes God's plan for man he opposes God's plan for the kingdom, and he opposes you because you are standing for the other things in God that Satan opposes. And of all the things that Satan detests, it's this plan that God has for men and women. God could do it all like that, but he's chosen to fulfill the very thing that Satan rebelled against, God's plan for us to serve. That's why Jesus came, to give us a way to come to the Father so that we would be redeemed to the Father, so that we would know the Father and serve with him the plan of the Father. That's it. That's it. 
It's not, I think Christians think that Jesus came because he's prepared many mansions and he's got, he's like a builder and he's got all these places now and he had to do something to fill them. They're just going to, they're just going to be empty. No, God's created us to be sons. That was his plan all along. So Satan is going to oppose that. And here's Joshua. Zerubbabel had more to do with holding down the, the governmental framework, securing the, um, the, the solidarity of what the city should be. Joshua was the one as the priest that was doing things with what the temple should really be, uprooting areas where demons had gained control of holy deposits of the glory. This is where the there's a rubber belt ward, but Joshua was really the one that was warring in the spirit realm on behalf of that temple, which was the apex of what David wanted when he was establishing Jerusalem and what God came and promised to Solomon, Joshua's war was there, just as our position of, of as saints to take a stand in our terio, establish the cross, welcome the presence of God, and to establish his dwelling place. This is important in our histeme. And Satan resists that histeme. Joshua was the one that was really doing a lot of that spiritual battle. So Satan's resisting him. And the Lord, Yahweh, the plan of God, that dimension of the plan of God, said to the opposer, my plan, my will, my desire that's being fulfilled through this man rebukes you. This is a rebuke is a preventing of you destroying it. A, 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 a rebuke in this instance is re, really has to do with thus far and no more. It's not saying nasty things to the enemy. It's not, you know, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. It's, it's standing and saying, you can go this far, but you don't go any further. And the plan of God allows for that. It's just the way God is. And there are some people, and I want to address this in our seminar in September, who get all very confused. And there are a lot of scholastic people who are making assessments about the plurality of Elohim and how God's seven spirits they think it's it's God in a dorm room with six other gods, and you know they're all really from the, the the Hollywood movie Prometheus. They're really the creators. There's a lot of that stuff, and it's being believed, and the enemy would like for you to believe it. So some people read this and they think, well, no, why is God's why is the Lord saying the Lord rebuke you? We have to remember what Yahweh really means. This is the eternal plan of God, and it's part of God. It's his desire. It's his plan. And, you know, it's kind of like I give this illustration, and I, I, we're, we may go longer today, so just crank up your Spotify to listen to it at double speed. 
let's say I'm with my granddaughters and there's something we're supposed to accomplish on that day. Well, in my mind, I'm remembering what we're supposed to do. Maybe what mommy and daddy have said they have to get done. But there's also that grandpa heart. I'm not saying it's Elohim, but that heart of love that connects us. And we do all kinds of things. We laugh and we tell jokes and we create stories and we, we goof around. And while I'm doing that, I'm still thinking, okay, we got to do this. It doesn't mean that I'm a two-headed monster here. Well, you know, there are really two Rons. There's Papa and then there's this other one. No, I can do those things and, and still be who I am. So there's no confusion to me to think that the God of all gods, who is more profound than anything we could even imagine, could be stating to Satan, you're opposing my will, you're opposing what I'm doing through this man, and I'm not going to let you overreach your bounds, and I'm saying from my eternal will and plan, no. Very interesting. There's much more we can say about that. We'll say it at the seminar. Because it there really is a lot in the scripture that speaks about how Satan and God uh, deal with this whole concept of Elohim and Yahweh and how God, it, it really is the essence of, his, of God's heart and, and warfare. And it shouldn't be confusing. But if you understand the pneumaticus principle, if you understand that reality in our relationship with God, then it explains everything. If you don't understand that, you're like a leaf in the wind and there are a lot of leaves blowing in winds of doctrine right now. So, this is a point of promotion when Zechariah gets back and there are going to be things that Joshua is going to do and those who served him are going to do on behalf of the Lord that God is promoting them to do that they had not been apportioned to do prior. This is promotion in its purest form. And Zechariah needed to see this. Otherwise, he's going to think, I'm the hot kid on the block. Here I am. All these other people have just screwed up. And now that I'm on the scene, we're really going to cook. God doesn't view things that way. And look at this. Verse 2. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Even the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. This man, Joshua, is a brand plucked out of the fire. Now, what we're being given now, and we need to believe for this, is the ability that many of you have seen in the spirit realm uh, and prophesied about over the years that what does a brand do that's plucked out of the fire? It imprints ownership. It imprints identity. It imprints a sense of of uh, functionality and this man from this temple is going to be given that that capacity from God 
to impart to impart what God uh, is wanting Zechariah and all those that are going to come later to be identified with. There's a real connection between this and the Old Testament conception of honor. Because remember, we've, we've studied about that. Honor is just not giving somebody a gold Invicta watch, even though I've gotten one of those from a very dear brother. Uh, you know, good, good for you. We're honoring you for 25 years of service or whatever it might be. Um, God's honor is that we have been so close to him that we then take the shape and the form of him. It's in the New Testament. It's time. It's time invested and a well, well time worn and honored to where you become Will you see me, may you see the Father. But this branding is really saying, Zechariah, this is what you should be. You're going to do new things, but don't ever forget that you are building off of what others who are still there are, 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 have patterned. And this branding is going to be on you, but it's going to be because of this guy. It's going to be because of who he represents in the flow pattern of the Lord. And we've talked about the necessity of the Elijahs being around with the Elishas. We've talked about the necessity of Moses being there with Joshua and what Saul should have been with David and what David was for his mighty men. But this is a very real ongoing principle and Joshua particularly ministering the things of the depths of the spirit. This branding is not only an identification, but it's an empowerment. It's almost as if it's a, a key of access. Now, look at this one. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Ahmad. You're going to see stood, stood, stand, stood, stand. It's all Ahmad, which uh, doesn't just mean on your own two feet. It means that you have been faithful regardless to hold your position. That's imperative throughout all of this. And that's why it keeps saying, stood, stood, stand. It's where the enemy attacks. The enemy tries to stand and hold his position. This is a, this is a, a, a New Testament concept as well. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Your standing in the gap is vital and important. So this man as these filthy garments and um, garments represent your commissioning it's is is your mantle or what you're the sha'al what you're known as these had become filthy through warfare <coughs> through battle through mistakes through successes and victories through the soiling of of uh, this garment was a <clears throat> Excuse me. This garment was really in itself a resume of what had gone on before. <clears throat> and he's got this on. And the filthy garment is taken away. <clears throat> and his iniquity, the, the areas that maybe on that garment areas that of your purpose that 
you were failing in that God let you overcome, that stain of those initial failures was there. <coughs> Excuse me. But this is being changed out. I think that is so important to see. And we're being clothed. It reminds me of <coughs> what the scripture says in the book of Isaiah, where every garment of the warrior is rolled in blood. It's galaled. It's, it's uh, <coughs> the famous, in Isaiah 9, the famous passage of uh, people going to be circumcised at Gilgal and then Jesus being crucified near Golgotha. It's all this word where you are being cut away and uh, the, the places of your flesh are being cut away so that you're more sensitive to God. And Isaiah 6 talks about this, where that garment, uh, as you've been in war uh, and you have overcome, it's that garment is rolled in blood and there's confused noise, which is, is a word that doesn't just speak of the tumult of battle. That word uh, indicates the sound of an earthquake or the sound of a thunderstorm. And so a warrior is going to come to that culminative point where God has done what he's wanted to do, where the, the release of his lightning has been accomplished and things have changed. And then that garment, according to Isaiah 9, is offered as a burnt offering. It's, it's offered before the Lord as an offering. And then uh, you, you read that story of, you know, the child is born, uh, his government upon his shoulders. It really is promotion. It speaks of Jesus, of course, but it is we're to be like Christ. So there, there's that thought of promotion again, and, and then government and authority being given. So that's what's happening here. And um, look at this in, in verse 4. I've caused your iniquity to pass from you. I will clothe you with a change of raiment. Then Zechariah shouts out. This doesn't say I said. It, it, it really means shouts. Let them set a fair or gold mitre upon his head so they put that on his head and clothed him with garments this was priestly garments but it was really showing look this is promotion it's a new beginning for a new day this man is going to be now representing God this young man Zechariah is recognizing this he's going to honor this he asked for it there it is I think that's very interesting as well. Um, and then <clears throat> the angel of the Lord protested. This doesn't mean that he's arguing. Uh, this, this word really means that uh, it's being stated affirmatively, affirmatively what's been stated over and over again. It's like when people protest, they keep shouting the same slogans. That word really means it's not just to resist. It means to keep saying a point. And the angel protesting, why would he be protesting Joshua? He's really reiterating this. If you walk in my ways, keep my charge, you will judge my house, 
you will keep my courts. I will give you places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before you, these are men wondered at. All of this is important because it describes what you are being given in this time frame. We are, we are going to be, <clears throat> this is a word for Joshua. You're going to walk, continue to walk in God's ways in a new way. You will be able to gain directive from him and keep that. You will then be able to give judgment, power words for the house. You will be able to jurisdict how things function and, and how commerce and flow either comes or goes. And I will give you places to walk among these that stand by. Who's standing by there? Who's standing by? Well, these ones that are coming along, the angels, the demonic group, God, you're being given new paths, new opportunities in the heavens and in the natural to serve. This is so important. We're being given new places and we need to recognize them. It doesn't do away with the old places. It's just that we've been faithful in the Peretz. Now the Peretz, the breakthrough is here. We've got to go and establish that. Places to walk. That means things spiritually. That means an expansion into nations and into places, into points in the spirit that God has ordained. Well, what does this mean in verse 8? Hear now, Joshua, the high priest, thy fellows that sit before you are men wondered at. This is a weird term because it really speaks of exploits. It's kind of like what um, the angel said, you know, in the New Testament about memorials and what Jesus said about the woman who poured out her offering, it rises as a memorial. There are things that when God moves, the spirit realm notices it, and, and the angels notice it, the enemy notices it. We may not see it in the natural, but I know that at times in intercession, I find myself in, in vision in a place and I would notice that some of the, the ones that we've been warring against or the ones that had been inhabiting will look almost being startled by what God had given us. We may not even recognize it's there. Other people may not notice it. But men wondered at because of, of uh, accomplishment. And it's not just some kind of an epitaph on your shoulder. Oh, look at all the wars that guy's been in. It's, there's an empowerment to that. Look at all the ways that Jesus rewarded those seven churches in Revelation. A white stone with a name on it, uh, you know, and so forth. These things are spiritual realities. And you have to recognize that this is what's going on. God is giving them to you, dear saint. Now, look at, look at this. 
I will bring forth my servant, the branch. This is expansion. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. It's expansion from the root. Behold, I give the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, says the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? Well, the stone that was laid before Joshua, laid there, is something that has been presented almost as a gift, but as a working document. What is the grave? I will engrave with the graving. This isn't something that happens when you go to um, a jeweler and you write uh, forever yours or something like that. What happens when you engrave? It means you cut into something and you open and you reveal. That's what this is. This stone with the seven eyes, which has to do with the ways of God, the seven spirits, <clears throat> is, is now being opened for Joshua to function in the next wave. To function, God is opening up new things from that same stone, and he is, he is making them become known. This is like the spirit of truth guiding us into those things that had been hidden that now are no longer hidden. This is a wonderful thing. Um, and in that day, says the Lord of hosts, every man will, uh, will be communicating under the vine, that fruitfulness of the vineyard of God, and the fig tree, that place of commune like Nathaniel knew, that place where God is meeting with you and sharing deep things. This is the essence. This is a very powerful thing, but we're not done. We're going to come back to this stone here in just a moment. Then you see chapter 4. You can read this for yourself, uh, but we want to touch on this. Um, the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. This is a very deep spiritual reality. What's, what do you see? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick. He's being shown this demonstration of where the seven spirits convey themselves, being God. These aren't seven little Elohims. This is God in the dimension of how, of his ways, what he wants to accomplish, and how he brings them about in his timing. You see uh, seven lamps, seven pipes, two olive trees by it, one on the right side, the other on the left. And I answered and spoke, what are these? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these be? And I said, no. Now, he gives the answer a little later in a broader way, and we'll look at it. But the answer to what these olive trees are, one on the right, which is prophetic, directive and one on the left which is fulfillment and he says this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might or by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts who art thou O great mountain before Zerubbabel you'll become a plain and he shall bring forth a headstone thereof with shoutings crying grace grace a double issuance of grace unto it building upon the going into the new horizon now here's an empowerment for a double issuance 
The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall finish it. And you will know that the Lord of hosts sent me to you, who has despised the day of small things. They shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. The stone that was invested to Joshua was really something that Zerubbabel covenanted with God to lay out. <clears throat> and that is this cornerstone of the seven spirit, the ways of God. Z Zerubbabel was imperative for Joshua to be able to come. I don't know this, but I wonder about the way God has called all of us and which of you has which capacity that is important to God and God who sees the end from the beginning called you forth because of something that that is in your heritage and you do this for him Zerubbabel we talked about him at the very beginning of this broadcast he was given this commission for the ways of God and that stone was on the plummet. He's, he's the one that makes it possible for all these other things to happen. And he, he has got that, that, that alignment so that things be built properly, but it's in the ways of God. And what Joshua then has, it's presented as an opportunity to Joshua, and it's being graven and opened up. So, so there you have right and left, you have Joshua, you have Zerubbabel and Joshua working together, and then you have these guys and Nehemiah, and then you have Zechariah and his group and Haggai, you have them aligning with those who've gone before. Do you see that right, left, right, left, right, left, all in the ways of God? Now, what about this candlestick and the two olive trees. J Joshua asks, what is this? The angel says, do you not know what it is? And he then gives this answer. Zerubbabel saying to the mountain, grace, grace, it'll become as a plain and this stone and the plummet, his hands will finish. Don't despise the day of wrong, wrong beginnings. This is what the angel of the Lord is describing about these olive trees, one on the right and one on the left. And then he goes a little bit deeper. Verse 11, Then answered I and said, What are these two olive trees, the right and the left? This is all the same discussion. Zechariah needs a little more clarification, and the angel gives it. But the angel's already given the answer. He's going to He's going to elucidate a little bit more. Verse 12, I answered again and said, What be these two branches, these two olive branches, which run through the two golden pipes, empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. These are the two anointed ones, the sons of the anointing, that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Do you know what that really means? 
A lot of people say these are the two witnesses. Well, that is a continuation of this principle. Two represents right and left. That's why apostles and prophets work together. It's, it's just God's way. Um, you have somebody that is serving the candlestick of the, of the seven spirits, the burning eyes of God. Uh, you have the stone that is an empowerment of those eyes for a work on the earth. Zerubbabel was given that. Joshua can function in promotion in what God is graving or opening up. Next, it's all in alignment with what God's eternal plumb line says. But two are sons of the anointing oil, sons that are being pressed out so that God's ways can burn brightly. These two, now, to me, I would say here that they've asked, what is this candlestick? What, is the, what are these two olive trees on the right and left that are fueling this burning? And the answer is pretty clear in this one context. Zerubbabel and Joshua. That's, well, that's all they're talking about here. Sons of the anointing. The two anointed ones, you look at it, it means sons of the anointing. Sons of the anointing oil that, that are being pressed out so that the ways of God can be accomplished. You're partnering with God's seven spirits. Uh, and, and there are other references to this throughout this book and in other places. We've studied this. But what I'm saying to you now is this, dear one. Some way or another in these end times, you and I have been called to do this work of sonship and of the saints. This has been a time of transition and we have been being brought into a new place. We need to stand firm on behalf of what God has laid as a foundation in our partnership before the throne with his seven spirits. Your garments may appear to be filthy right now. You may be really worn out. You may be wondering, God, it just, look, you're like Elijah. Transitional points are difficult unless you realize what's going on. Moses could not make that, did not make that transition. Elijah did not make that transition. We must make this transition, and we are making this transition, but the waters are very tumultuous around this transition. And we have to be a people who recognize this is where we are right now. This is not some fanciful story. We've got to stay. The enemy is going to oppose this. He's going to try to blow you off course. And, and you're, you're going to feel all kinds of things because what you're doing is important in God. You must continue to stand and recognize that you're fitting into the midst of every one of these principles and factors 
These are eternal factors, and we're living them now. What Zerubbabel and Nehemiah and Joshua and Ezra and Zechariah and Haggai and all the other eyes, what they did was important. What you are doing is what all of those prophets, all of those writers looked to. We have been born into a point of service that is the apex of what Jesus came to do. It's the time of the end is upon us. Satan is standing against you. So what? You stand. The Lord rebukes him. God is with you. Now, we could talk about what the iniquity being passed away. That's great. I Remember over this past year how we'd said over and over again, God keeps bringing up things from the past, and we've got to surrender them and be cleansed. Didn't that happen over and over again? Didn't we say that whatever the enemy's trying to do right now, he's trying to dig up things of the past and make people infuriated? Do we see that in our nation right now? Yes, we do. We even have recreatings of his histories and deconstructing of things. And everybody has hatred. Everybody has offense. Every, and, 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 That's iniquity played out. And we're seeing this. Our iniquities from those garments that are being jettisoned by the Lord God is healing them. You you surrender them and rejoice. And um, we're being outfitted with new. And the iniquity will be removed in one day in the land. How in the world is that going to be? You know, the Bible speaks of unclean spirits being driven out of the land in a day. Uh, and those that are engaging in witchcraft, false prophets. We're going to see a visitation of the Lord. That window is coming. We're being prepared for it. Uh, we just need to be a little bit wise. Okay? We're participating in these principles of the Scripture. This is what God is causing you and I to walk in. Let's act like it. These young ones that are coming along, they've got to get in line with what God's plan is. Yeah, rising tide floats all boats. There's all kinds of stuff going on right now. Everything under the sun, bad and good, is being offered to people instead of this pathway. We have to keep walking. God is promoting you for the time that is ahead. And it's based upon your faithfulness in Him. Now, I know we've gone way past time. I warn you that that was going to be the case. But this is important. Remember who you are. Remember what God has called you to do. Remember who he is. And don't forget what he's called you to be as a saint. I bless you and I thank you for serving the Lord. Till next time, God bless and goodbye.